Welcome to Fresh Take, where we at Florida Organic Growers speak to food systems experts about topics related to organic and sustainable agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and the environment. To help us continue our programs at FOG, including our podcast, consider becoming a sponsor. For more information on sponsorship, check out our Get Involved page on our website, www.foginfo.org. Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Fresh Take. I am your host, Lana Shahabedin, and today we have an exciting episode lined up for you. We're diving into the world of aquaponics as a sustainable farming method and the green revolution underway in South Florida. Joining us is a true visionary, the founder of Bare Roots Organics, and one of our many wonderful vendors from the backyard market, Mike Campbell. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're so happy to have you. You know, we proudly list our vendors on backyardmarket.org, but we want to spend some time today to learn a little bit more about you and your operations. And I've heard so many good things about you and what you're doing. And I'm curious to know how you discovered your passion for growing food. Tell us about your story and what made you want to build a more sustainable world. Yeah, um, totally. So I... Come, I have kind of a, a, a weird background, I guess. Uh, my actual degree is in film and television. I went to school for art, uh, ceramics, things like that. But I was moved to California when I was a was a young child. I was five, and California is pretty notorious for droughts. And so it was uh, pretty ingrained in me in elementary school uh, and onward that water was a resource that we needed to cherish. You know, it's without water, we we all die. It's like three days, right, without water and and you perish. So why we don't treat it well seems seems kind of crazy to me. So growing up, you know, like the term yellows mellow brown goes down, right? That's a sounds weird saying that here in Florida because we have <laughs> so much water, but in California it was a real thing. You know, we were educating our parents because there were so many parents who grew up in where I was born in Chicago. My parents were all from Chicago. It's like what Lake Michigan was an uh, you know, a, an abundant source of water, but but not in California. And so Growing up with that mindset, with water being so precious, you know, going to college, all my friends, same thing. They would take these half hour long showers. And it's like, man, what are you guys doing? Like, I take two minute showers, like get in, <laughs> let's get clean. Let's get, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's be smart about it. Yeah. Um. And, and as far as like, you know, the aquaponics side, I also, I remember going to a, an amusement park and they had that throw the ping pong in the fishbowl and get a goldfish. And so I think at the age of seven or eight. I had my first fish. And so you started learning about how to care for fish and how to care for animals mm. as simple as that is just one little fish, yeah. um, but learning even just the biology behind it. Well, you need to change the water and, and there, you know, why does, why do you need to change the water? Well, there's waste that builds up and uh, organic matter from the fish feed and the fish waste and things like that. And so I've just always kind of been drawn to the water and drawn to, you know, just, just learning, you know, just the learning process. And then flash forward, you know, after college, my first career was in film and television, and I helped on a documentary series about you know, alternative ways of growing food. I was already kind of hooked into, uh, I've, I've cooked my whole life. I love, you know, making good food. One, my first business plan ever was how to take the waste from um, breweries, turn the, turn that yeast, that, that, or not the yeast, but the, uh, the grain waste, make that into bread, you know, turn that brewery into a functioning full, you know, full circle sort of restaurant and that never came to fruition, but it was just kind of a, you know, like, how do we, again, how do we re reuse everything or use everything so that things aren't just going into the you know landfills. And so 
in this documentary, we focused on food in New York. Food, you know, New York and Manhattan specifically is a food desert. And when you're when you look at the studies that we used for this documentary, it was like if you were to turn the rooftops of every, you know, every building in, in Manhattan, you could turn that place into a, a, you know, an oasis of food and you would feed that entire city with fresh produce all year round. And that just blew my, you know, blew my mind. And so, you know, you start thinking about that and I had my own little garden on my, on my little balcony in Santa Monica. And I, you know, still came from that, this resource kind of, you know, how do we use our resources well? And, and I already, I had this knowledge of fish. I've, I've kept coral reef tanks, I've, you know, just, just as a hobby, but just knew the science of that. I did study abroad in, in Australia, took all my science courses on the Great Barrier Reef. And so just, you know, that love of water, that love of fish, the love of, of gardening and food kind of all kind of coalesced about five, six years ago and needing a change, you know, getting out of, out of what I was doing in film and television I just needed to change. I need to be outside. I need to be away from a computer. <laughs> you know, how do you, you use your hands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and what, you know, what can you do? Cause what can we do to combine all these passions kind of? And so aquaponics, it started really as, okay, let's, and I, this all started in California. So my original business plans were, were let's take, you know, the shipping container idea. Let's put little hydroponic pods all over the city and you can have fresh produce. Ah. The problem in California is, and it's not really a problem. I mean, it's smart. We California grows about eighty percent of our produce in the country. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Right. But who's going to get the last of it? Every time I would visit, all my all my family's now moved here to South Florida. Every time I would visit, you know, I would go to Publix or I go to Whole Foods, and you would just see all this produce rotting on the shelf. And and you know, a lot of that is because it's traveling for three thousand miles. That's that's a that's a long distance. It's a bumpy road. And, you know, maybe in the summer we're getting stuff from the Northeast, but that's still up to 1,500, 2,000 miles away. So we, I saw this food waste and it just was driving me nuts. And so the, that original business plan of out, out West, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe I should move out here to, you know, Florida, be near family, be able to start this farm and really identify some other issues, not just the, the water usage, not just our resource usage, but also the carbon footprint, which is also pretty near and dear to my heart. Again, that's another resource that we need to to, to manage, and we should you know we should be thinking about it. Um, and so aquaponics, you know, really, I, I may be jumping ahead here, but aquaponics is is kind of a brilliant idea. It's the it's this idea that where you can take aquaculture, you can take raising fish as a food, and what used to be a waste, turn it into a, a bio rich, biodynamic fertilizer for your plants. And then your plants can have this symbiotic relationship that cleans that water and takes up all those nutrients and grows really healthy, amazing produce. And then that clean water goes back to our fish and starts that process over again. And so the combination of, you know, aquaculture and hydroponics, that's where the aquaponic word comes from, you know, really is amazing. You know, we don't have any runoff. You know, we capture, we're, we're an, we are an entirely enclosed you know, biosystem. You know, we have we have about 30,000 gallons uh, in our in our in our system half of which was rainwater capture half of a, a, a came from our well and now we just re, you know we're taking rainwater capture and that's what we replace our our evaporation from so we're able to use anywhere from 500 to 1000 gallons a week to grow over 2000 heads of lettuce per week as well plus plus about 10,000 pounds of fish a year wow well i think your your background is absolutely fascinating i feel like you're, you know, coming from the industry of film, 
it's so interesting that, you know, you've had kind of a, a background look at food. And like you said, growing up in California and experiencing the drought, you have firsthand experience of how important the resource of water actually is. And I feel like that's really incredible that you made that connection and found your passion in farming. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, all the different factors that led you to the culmination of, you know, how water has a uh, has a role in growing our food and what the alternatives are to farming. And some of the things that we've heard very recently in the world of agriculture is different terms like regenerative, obviously aquaponics has made its debut. And I'm wondering, what is your vision for the future of sustainable farming? And what does sustainable farming actually mean to you? Yeah, so the idea is, you know, if we go back to the California thing too, it's and all over the country, how we farm, you know, the things that are subsidized, California has subsidized water, essentially, the federal government wants to make sure that we get enough produce for our country to continue to grow. And, and I'm forgetting the guy's name, but back in the, you know, late, late 1800s, early 1900s, the guy that negotiated the water rights for California probably should be awarded, you know, some, some medal of honor because he, mm. he really, you know, was the person that had the vision to say, we have all this fertile ground. How are we going to grow this country, you know, to its maximum and feed this country? Now that's great. And we had water back then, but now as the droughts are getting worse and worse and we stress that land, you know, how do we rethink it? There are ways to irrigate smarter, but at some point you just don't have enough water. Um, this year, California was really lucky to have enough, you know, rain and snow, but that's not, that's, that's a blip out of the last 40 years. Mm. And so how do we, how, you know, again, how, yeah, how do we rethink how we can bring food closer? You know, the pendulum has sort of swung so far to the big ag, you know, big agriculture and, you know, that's all well and good because you can use machinery and you can use, but not everything can be picked with machines. No, not everything can be grown with machines. My vision is to be, kind of not be the family farm, but be somewhere in between big ag and family farm. What I would love to see is, is something like our farm. Now, our farm here, where we're at now, is really just a test farm. We want to make sure that we can grow in these methods, you know, sustainably all year round. We do have that ability so most of all, you know, I was just on the phone with one of our restaurants. They're asking me if I grew Mizuna and I, I can, we're up to about 180 varieties of things that we can grow. We, we trial things all the time, but most of the in, traditional in-ground farms right now are closed in Florida because it's just too hot and humid. We're able to trick nature. You know, we have our, our, our water is the thermal mass of water can, you know, stays cooler. So the plants, you know, the plants think that it's colder outside. We're able to do a little bit of temperature control, you know, so the air is a little bit colder. We can shade our area very well. We're able to grow in my 5,000 square foot greenhouse. We're growing, you know, around 2,000 heads of lettuce per week. Well, it's about 16,000 heads that are that are started from, you know, seed to, to actual harvest. So in a very small space, we're at, able to kind of do this transplanting, of, of, you know, way. And that's that to me is really smart use of space so we can be closer to our actual delivery. You mentioned the role of technology in terms of playing a factor in growing food. And, and for example, you mentioned temperature control and being able to grow lettuces 
in Florida, which actually is an extremely hot and humid state, but being able to actually manipulate some of the factors to create for a really great climate for these foods. So what other roles do you see technology playing in uh, in food, in the future of food? Yeah, I mean, tech is going to be, tech and more research, I should say, is going to be huge. You know, our smaller farm is, is really just a research lab. We're trying to take this 5,000 square foot greenhouse and kind of get all the, the you know, nuts and bolts figured out. What, it's, what's, what is it going to take for us to be able to go and afford and go to a bank or go to, you know, investors and say, hey, I want to put a three acre farm, not just one three acre farm, but let's put a three acre farm or a five acre greenhouse, you know, every hundred miles. And so that now we're going to be able to grow locally, you know, that's a 50 mile radius. That to me is local and that's sustainable because you're, you're doing, we're, we're going to be able to reduce our carbon footprint. We're going to be able to, you know, have a product that every single harvest that we have, we have, you know, we fill our walk-in cooler and we deliver the entire walk-in cooler within 24 hours. There's no food waste for us, right? There's no waste whatsoever. But going back to the technology part, you know, how do we, how do we trick nature? Because you're right, lettuce is, that's a cold weather plant. And so we chose that plant specifically uh, because it has a, a short shelf life, you know, the stuff coming from California or the Northeast in, in the summer, it's still on that truck. So if it's on a truck for a week, well, you've lost a week of, of shelf, you know, of your shelf life. And lettuces aren't going to last much longer than another week on top of that. So when we're at the farmer's market and people are like, oh, I want to, you know, I, I bought a bag from you and, you know, it, I had, went on vacation for a week and I came back and I, I was still eating it. And I was like, well, yeah, because your week is essentially the same amount of time it t- took for it to originally get get to you if you were buying stuff from Whole Foods or or something like that. And so where tech comes in is is we need to identify, yes, the temperature control. Temp- you know, so we last summer we had some issues. We had uh, last summer was our f- first full summer of growing. Um, and we learned some lessons. We had a, a disease called Pythium that came in. Mm. And that's a pretty common, you know, disease in farming. It's it's all over the world. It's it's an issue that we're gonna that everyone deals with. But if you're a traditional farmer, you can just throw a ton of you know antifungal <laughs> into your ground. If you're a golf course, you can throw a bunch of you know pesticide on the ground and 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 deal with it. With our fish, we're you know our standards are even higher than even just traditional organic farming. Things like neem oil, we can't use neem oil because it's incredibly deadly to fish. So we're we're relegated to a lot to thinking of other ways to to maintain our our farm, um, and so things like an evaporative chiller on the you know that that costs me a dollar a day to run this chiller, but it cools my water by ten degrees. Wow! And you know that's that that means that my water's now seventy two degrees, and it's been eighty five here for the last month and a half. You know during the day. You know, we're using the thing, we're using shade cloth. We're using specific shade cloth that ex, that expels the heat. It's called aluminate. It uses literally a, uh, an aluminum that's spun uh, as a thread, and it helps to act like a giant cloud, and and it reflects light so that less UV, you know, UV gets into the greenhouse. So we're lowering the temperature, our temperature in the greenhouse right now. And I have a computer that I built that helps me maintain and 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 check. You know, I can check through the app. You know what what's going on out there. You know, so it's it's about let's see what is I can check it right now. Let's see, it's <laughs> it is uh see the uh, fact that you can check that through the app is another crazy thing to me that technology is weighing in on agriculture. And yeah. you can, you know, having this 
on your phone, being able to kind of relay all the information right back to you. Yeah. And just, and just thinking, you know, that thinking outside the box, it's if I were to go to a greenhouse company, well, they have computers that that you can buy, but they're 10 grand, you know? And so now you have a box that you paid 10 grand for, and then you have to buy the phone line because it has to, it has to call you if there's an issue or, and you have to be hardwired with the, with the, with the internet. It's like, well, well, what year are we living in? Come on, let's, let's, (laughs) we we can be smarter about this stuff. And so, these are just things that we're, you know, all of these things are just trials so that we can go, you know, go down the road and say, hey, we figured out the issues. We figured out what we need to do to grow on a lot, much larger scale, you know, again, sustainably, like, you know, how do we mitigate our risks for disease? Um, and and so we're we're trying to address all of those things and, and get those those picadillos figured out. <laughs> yeah. So as the lead farmer for Bare Roots Organics, can you tell us what your mission is and how, you know, what foods you are, you're growing currently, what products you're selling, and even the challenges, you mentioned some of the challenges, but what other challenges you have faced in implementing some of the sustainable practices in farming and how you've overcome them? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is just, I mean, obviously farming, there's challenges with disease and pest pressure and um, you know, finding staff and like any other business. Um, but a lot of it has to do with just, you know, money in a lot of ways is, is you know, it costs us a lot to build these things correctly in the beginning. You know, so when I went to the bank, when I went to the USDA, they have a, they have some great farming loan programs. But when I went to them and said, hey, I'm going to build, the, you know, I want to build this aquaponic farm and here's all the benefits and and, you know, we're going to be really smart about our resources. And they're like, that's really cool. Well, you live, you know, your farm is an acre and a quarter large piece of land and you can grow 10,000 heads of lettuce. And because they, that's, that's the table that they have. They look at South Ford and they say in that space, in that acre, you can grow, you know, 3,000, 3,500 heads roughly. And you can do that three times over, but before it gets too hot and humid to, to grow food anymore. And so that's the bureaucracy of that. It's, it, it, it says, we you can only do so much with that piece of land. Well, re- in reality, I, I'm I'm able to grow almost 150,000 heads of lettuce in my 5,000 square foot greenhouse. Not an acre. An acre is 45,000 square feet. I'm 5,000 square feet, and I'm growing 140,000 heads a year. You know, and so going to the government so I can get you know gain access to that money to those loans to, so that I can go build a bigger greenhouse and go build you know make a bigger impact to the area you know, it just takes education, you know, it takes right. now a partnership and the USDA has now come eight times to tour our farm. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how do we build the box that, that then says aquaponics is a farm that we can help fund. And so now working in, in, in conjunction with them, they're, they're able to go back and start writing literature, you know, to put into law that they, then they can give me a loan, things like that. So those are some of the challenges that really we as, as farmers trying to push the envelope, not the not the good old, you know, farming. We're looking at the good new farming, <laughs> you know. Right, right. And 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 speaking of your actual farm operation, for the folks listening who are not familiar with aquaponics, can you explain how it works as a farming practice and kind of review some of the basics or the the actual process? Yeah, totally. So so aquaponics, it, I wish we had a better name to be honest, because it's it's kind of gets confusing. And a lot of people have heard of hydroponics which is, is not a bad way of farming. It's just, there are better ways. Um, and I think at least, um, you know, and so hydroponics is 
the farming method of, of using water to grow just, just plain water. So you have these floating rafts that float your, your lettuces, or you can have, you know, you can mist your lettuce that's called aeroponics, but similar. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, a lot of customers at the farmer's market will come up, even though I have a giant sign over my booth that says aquaponic farming, they come up and they're like, Oh, hydroponic. I know that that's cool. You know, and then I have to educate them what the aqua part of aquaponics is and aqua, mm. the aqua part start, stands for aquaculture. Um, and so aquaculture is raising any kind of marine life for food. Um, so when I used to be an oyster farmer, I was an all, I was also an aquaculturist. When I sell coral out of my coral reef, you know, tank, I'm an aquaculturist. When I grow tilapia and koi, now we don't eat our koi. We sell people that that's for people's ponds and things like that, but I'm growing fish as a, as a typically as a food or as a uh, commodity for, for, um, you know, for hobbies. And so in the combination of aquaculture and the combination of hydroponics growing, you know, food in a water-based medium, that's where you get your aquaponic, uh, the aqua from aquaculture and the ponics from hydroponics. I, I do wish there was a better name. I, you know, I, I think that whatever the scientist that came, you know, Dr. Rokosi is, uh, he was out of the University of Virgin Islands. He came up with the science of this. And so really aquaponics has been around for millennia. You know, if you go to China and, uh, you know, thousands of years ago, they would plant their, their rice fields. They'd throw carp into the, you know, into those, you know, those patties. Mm. The carp would help eat the pests. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the rice would, you know, come, come up for harvest six months later and, and you'd harvest your carp and you'd harvest your, your rice. Mexico city before Mexico city was, you know, kind of a desert. Now that was a drained, a giant drained water, you know, big pond, you know, not the size of Lake Michigan, but very large water area. Um, and thousands of years, there, there are drawings of, you know, people having rafts with, with essentially lettuces on top, just growing on top and floating in the water. And same thing, they would, as they were catching fish, they would be harvesting lettuce or harvesting their, their, um, their produce. Um, so this has been around colloquially for a long time, but Dr. Rokosi, um, again, out of the University of Virgin Islands, came up with the science behind this. And so how, what he was looking at and what his team was looking at was how many fish, you know, with this amount of feed, create this amount of waste that then needs to be cleaned by something in the environment. You know, what we see a lot in, in the environment here, especially in like, like Lake, what affects us here where we're at is like Lake Okeechobee is incredibly polluted. And a lot of, you know, that's pollution from chemicals and things like that, but also a lot of runoff from farms, you know, Mm. fertilizers that are just running off because we have such sandy soil here. Um, And so essentially what fish waste is, is just a fertilizer, you know, the same as chicken manure or cow manure, and that gets broken down by bacteria. We're just taking fish manure. We, we put that into a, a, a tank where we heavily aerate, uh, where bacteria and fungi can just break it all, all that waste down to its finest micro, you know, micro and macronutrients. And that then gets fed to our plants. And so, so we capture about 10 gallons of waste a day, and then 10 gallons gets put into that, that, you know, we call it a mineralization tank because it breaks it down to it's those minerals. Um, and then 10 gallons bleeds off into our, into our, our troughs of, 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 uh, plants and the plants then take up all those nutrients, all of that nitrogen, all those, you know, that calcium, that potassium that's, that was locked away in the feces and now is a bio-rich, you know, fertilizer for our plants. And the plants clean that water and that same water goes back to our fish and starts the process over again. Um, and so that's wow. the full kind of scale of aqua, you know, there's science and really I'm, a, I'm really, I'm three farmers. I'm a fish farmer. I'm a, a veggie farmer and I'm a bacteria farmer. I want to make sure <laughs> the bacteria are happy as well. 
I was about to say, yeah, it seems like an incredibly symbiotic environment, except that instead of it being two main players, it's really three. It's the plants, the fish, and the bacteria. And it seems that the bacteria plays a really crucial role in this entire process because it's converting the waste in into actual nutrients that the plant can absorb. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Bacteria, fungi, all, you know, that biome is, is the biome is what keeps us all alive. It, you know, the gut biome, we talk about that, the, you know, the, the, the plant biome, the, the, you know, if, if you're a dirt farmer, the dirt biome, the beauty of water is that water supports millions more variety of bacteria and fungi, you know, whereas in dirt, you're, you're relying, you're relying on just a certain kinds, a few certain kinds of bacteria to break, do your breakdowns for you. Um, and so by using water and having all that biodiversity, we just get this really biodynamic fertilizer for our plants. And because of that, the plants are super healthy. They help fight disease off easier. They help fight pests off easier and they can, you know, stave off a little bit of this heat and humidity as well, because even with all of our temperature control that we, you know, try to do, the weather still stresses the plant. So if you have a really healthy plant, you, they can, it can still get to harvest without too much issue. Wow. And it seems like, you know, we've explored some of the basics of aquaponics and the resources used including water and bacteria. So then how does this method conserve or save on resources compared to traditional agriculture? Yeah. So, you know, if we go back to my, my California <laughs> sort of examples, you know, mo people are getting better. You know, there's, there's a lot of funding out there to get better with your water and water resources, but traditional farmers just literally just flood the field with water. And you're just, you know, you're, so you're just tapping into the we there's some great levee levees and dam systems in California and then you just tap into it as a farmer and you flood your field. Well, that's mm. crazy. You've just flooded, you know, acres of field in order to, you know, you know, to, to, to give your plants the needed necessary resources. What we do right. is we, we filled, you know, we flooded our one field, I guess, essentially we flooded our 30,000 gallons of troughs and fish tanks and sumps and things like that. Um, and and we do lose some water that, you know, it, food plants need water just as we do. Um, and so the plants take up that water. They sweat like we do. That's called, you know, that's trans, that's the transpiration. It's converting. That's where we get our oxygen, right? It's taking up the, the, you know, the, the carbon from CO2 out of the air. It's taking out the oxygen, you know, the, the H2O and it's releasing water vapor as well. So bringing up the nutrients through the roots it then needs to release some of that that water and oxygen out of its you know cells, and so through transpiration and some evaporation, though all of our tanks and all of our systems are covered, so we're, we don't lose very much from evaporation. We only lose fifty to one hundred gallons a day um, in evaporation in our in our third out of the total of thirty thousand gallons. So whereas you would oh, wow. you know in a traditional field flood it. And you, you know, so you would some of that water would go back into the ground groundwater, but a lot of that would just bake away in the California heat. Well, and mm. same here too. But we cut because of all of our troughs are covered with styrofoam and the plants are, you know, taking up, you know, the only thing that touches the water are the plants' roots. We're able to just utilize the water that 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 initial 30,000 gallons. We don't toss any of it. We never, we never flush our systems. We, you know, we don't want to. We want to keep all that fertilized water for our plants. As long as it's in balance, right? And and that's right. where having the right number of fish 
to the right number of plants, that that kind of living in that that equation and living in that balance is is important. And this makes me also think about the other resources that are typically used, such as pesticides and the mechanisms, the equipment um, used to harvest agriculture that you wouldn't use in aquaponics. Are there other things that you find beneficial in terms of resource conservation in this type of farming? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's 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 interesting is we eventually will, you know, there's a whole section of the farm that I've relegated to be able to put towards solar, you know, and 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 being enti- entirely off grid. So we do use obviously some carbon with our electricity. Um, you know, we have pumps to run. We have um, mostly pumps to run. We don't have lights. You know, part of the reason of of moving to Florida and using you know, putting in a greenhouse um, as opposed to say like a warehouse where we would have entirely. You know, you can c- temperature control that entire space if we were in a warehouse. Well, then we'd have lights, and then we'd have you know, the same number of pumps. And then we would have, um, you know, we, we, our carbon footprint much higher. We want to use the full spectrum of the sun. We love that, you know, that we, the sun is also a resource and how do we use that? Um, and so if we can convert part of our farm to a solar field, well, now we're off grid, you know, and so we've converted instead of using, you know, diesel in trucks and, and, um, harvesting, you know, tools like that. Well, we're able to grow, in that's in our small space that's covered with, you know, where we actually harvest is super shaded. So we harvest everything by hand. We harvest one tray at a time. The trays are, 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 are I should say, are floating boards. Each board is two foot by four foot. So it's not super heavy. You know, each we have about 25 heads of lettuce on each board. So that board weighs about 15 pounds. My, my hundred pound, you know, she was our intern last year. She's now our farm manager here. This year, she she just graduated and she signed on to work with us. And, you know, she's able to lift that 15, 20 pounds and put it up on our harvest table where we chop the head up and, and get it ready for, you know, restaurants or farmers markets, grocery stores, wherever we're selling, you know, where we're selling it. And we're able to kind of just keep everything at, you know, there's very little bending. Everything's at eye level or chest level. So it's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, reduce the wear and tear on our bodies, you know? So it's, it, if, if we were a larger farm, we could automate some of this, we could get some automated tools. Um, and so that's in the future, we, we would be able to do that, you know, so we could grow thing, the looser leaf things like arugula or spinach, um, things like that. Right now we focus mostly on, on head lettuce and sweeter lettuces, but yeah, we're, we're able to, you know, what I would love to see is, yeah, just let's utilize the sun. Let's do the solar. Uh, that's just going to take, again, another loan from someone. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I love that. I love, you know, we we live in the Sunshine State and, you know, why not acquire some of that energy in in growing our food? And you touched on some of the labor requirements for running an aquaponics farm. And I'm curious, in terms of manpower, how much do you need? And are there certifications that are required in order to run an aquaponics farm? So, yeah. So as far as the certification goes, you know, for growing lettuces, we don't really need anything um, necessarily. The the fish is the fish for the state of Florida. We do need an aquaculture license. So they do come and, you know, they tour the farm once a year, make sure that we're, uh, is it supposed to be twice? Maybe it's twice a year. I don't know. They just show up sometimes and I'm like, okay, come check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, they just want to make sure that we have good husbandry for our fish. Um, you know, they, they want to see that we're 
we're we're not selling you know fish off out the you know back of the gate or something like that i guess um but so there are certifications for the fish our lettuce is not really certifications as far as like becoming a, an aquaponic farmer uh, you know you can there's a lot of youtube out there there's a lot of books out there 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 are um consultants out there that you can reach out to to help you build and size your farm properly and and you know so i i was able to do a lot of those things I, I I sort of had the leg up in the sense that I knew how to care for fish and marine life already. And I had already, you know, gardening is not farming, but just knowing that, you know, Hey, that, that lettuce looks weird. <laughs> what, you know, what's going on? Why is it going, what's going wrong with it? Right. Um, right. You know, so there is certainly learning involved. It's, I wouldn't say this is rocket science, but it's also not, you, you don't want to go into it empty handed either. Um, so there is some knowledge that you, you want to know and labor wise, I'm really the, I do have now the farm manager, which is huge because eventually I need to leave the farm at some point. We 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 started the farm about two and a half years ago. It took us about six months to build. Um, but you know, if you're handy, I couldn't find a contractor. So we built the entire greenhouse, every nut, bolt, and screw, every pipe, every, you know, every pump, you know, we've done everything except for the electricity. Wow. We let we brought an electrician in for that. <laughs> I was about to say, I would hope so. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 doable. Um, and, and, and that's really, you know, that's where I think a lot of people being kind of the only commercial size aquaponic down here, we want to prove that we can, you know, be a business, you know, not just most aquaponic farms are teaching things like, Oh, look how cool it is to do this or to do that. And look at the science and the STEM that's involved. We want to prove that this is a viable business for people, not just myself. I want to see lots of aquaponic farms. I want to see People, you know, people, you know, instead of saying, well, big ag has everything we can't, you know, how are we going to break in? No, I, there's a need, there's a want, you know, the farmer's market, it's amazing. You know, we, you would think in the, you know, quote unquote off season right now, when all the snowbirds leave, we would be slower. We're more busy now than we've ever been. And, and the reason is, is because people are, are tired of buying a product that then just rots in their, you know, if they can't get to that one pound of lettuce that they buy from Costco or Whole, or Whole Foods or wherever they're buying it from, it rots so fast that they just, they, you know, then they feel bad. They're like, well, I bought all that and I spent all that money. And, you know, you know, why is it rotting? And it's like, well, we need to move back to the let's buy local, you know, those words sustainable and local and organic, they get thrown around so much. And, and how do we really encompass those, those things? Well, we need lots of little farms all over the place or medium sized farms. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I, and I really hope that everyone listening, I mean, we have people listening from all types of backgrounds, whether they're growers, consumers, you know, local food entrepreneurs, and we, we want to inspire folks to be able to go after things that they're passionate about. And this is something that um, is a very viable option in terms of growing food. So we really appreciate you coming on our show today, Mike, and sharing all of your knowledge and insight into the aquaponics realm. And I want to remind folks to head on over to our backyard market. This is placed on our website, www.backyardmarket.org, where you can check out Mike's uh, products and produce on there. And thank you so much again, Mike, for spending time with us today and explaining how all of this works. Of course. Yeah, no, I I, I hope uh, other people get interested and you know, they can certainly chat me up at the farmer's market. We're there every Saturday and Sunday and, and <laughs> I, I uh, 
and yeah, I, I think this is a great way of farming. I hope that people really, you know, take a look at it and, and, you know, I would love to see hydroponic farms add fish to their farm and um, make it more of a biodynamic farm than just the, you know, the traditional hydroponic side or, or even just traditional farmers, you know, like look at this and say, oh, this is pretty cool. Cause you can grow, not just lettuces, you know, our next greenhouse is going to be a tomato greenhouse, right. And then it'll be a strawberry greenhouse. You know, we, there's plans to do lots of different things. Uh, we just chose the hardest one first so that we can make sure that we can prove that it worked and we can go into the next stage. Wow, that's super wise. Yeah, we really appreciate your, you highlighting the importance of sustainable food production. And I just want to remind everyone listening, if you're looking for flavorful, nutrient-packed leafy greens, make sure to check out Bare Roots Organics. And together, we can be a part of the green revolution and shape a better future for our planet. Stay tuned for more fresh takes on our upcoming episodes. And until then, stay green, stay inspired, and keep making a positive impact. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Florida Organic Growers is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So to keep our content available and free to the public, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And consider making a tax-deductible donation or become a sponsor. Learn more about our work and how you can become a sponsor from our website, www.foginfo.org.